The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Hey, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. This is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. Hey, you're listening to Society Bites Radio with Dr. Richard Himmer, your host, a lovely bite sharing. And for the next 25 minutes or so, we talk about healing and the growth and the insight. Be mindful that you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. So what's on our agenda today, lovely one? Well, we've been working on some things. Last week, we talked about uh, deliberate practice towards unsolicited, unsolicited opinions. Right. And so when we're in that you know, mode of making improvements in our life, and get a little frustrating because things don't always go perfect in our practice. In fact, sometimes there are little lobsters out there who pinch our practice um, and our progress as we, we muddle along. And what we're looking for are those little lobsters who act as saboteurs and when we're trying to make changes. So sometimes the first little pinch by a lobster, we get paralyzed with fear and we're like, that's it. I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. We need some help with those little lobsters. What can you do for us, Dr. Hammer? Well, let's put in, in the metaphor of a lobster is the fact that any good fisherman knows that if you put a lobster in a pan or a, some sort of a container by himself, he'll get out. You put two in there, there's no way. Because as soon as one lobster tries to escape, the other one will pull them back in. That's so, the pinch. So in that metaphor is don't pay attention so much or get engaged with the lobster, but we've got to find a way to keep going back under our progress. Yeah, and so the story is let's say you and I are working on our marriage and mm-hmm. you know we have uh, difficulty communicating. We tend to trigger and flood each other on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Um, and let's just say for argument's sake that you go in for coaching and you get some good, healthy coaching and you start learning some emotional intelligence skills that allow you to create that safe space or what we call well-being. You're protecting yourself emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Well, as soon as I see that you're making progress. And changes. Oh, that's just not comfortable for me. Because it might be safe, but it's not familiar. I need you back to familiar. So you start growing, making any slight change, I'm going to pull you back. I'm not letting you go. And the metaphor is, I'll sabotage you. I'll introduce something into the story that will take away um, progress that you're making. It reminds me of a couple who had, I think it was basically, but their words, we haven't argued in three months. I hadn't seen them in a while. And they just had this big blow up. They both said to me, but Dr. Remember, we haven't argued in three months. What happened? 
And what came out to be was the wife, in this particular case, was so uncomfortable with the emotional intimacy that was starting to grow, she literally sabotaged the relationship at that moment. Went into a collusionary position. Collusion meaning that she was getting the opposite of what she really wanted. This behavior that delivered the opposite. Yeah. So what she really wanted was trust and respect in the marriage. The reality was she was scared to death of trust and respect. And because of that fear, she had to go back to familiar space that she'd known from her childhood, childhood family. Instead of growing the relationship with her husband, she sabotaged it and pulled him back into it. So common that, yes, we can identify, I want improvements, I want to make changes, but I almost fear the very thing I want. And so yeah. the saboteur can come from the outside, it can come from the, the partner in the relationship, but it also could come from within based on their own fears. Yeah, and so what you said was critical. Um, say it's me that's noticing your your growth. Okay, I'm going to sabotage my own ability by doing something maladaptive to the relationship and to myself. But in your case, you're experiencing the person closest to you as the saboteur. We need to be mindful of that. So if we're talking husbands and wives or significant others or children with their parents, be mindful that whenever anybody starts to change and grow, there's going to be problems. So let's launch this today's episode with a story that happened to you and me years ago. Now, is this the box story? Yeah. Okay. And this is, you You were maybe two weeks off of your injury. You're up on the San Juan Islands riding with your friends on the bicycle and you've fallen. Yeah, really I messed, messed up, up my shoulder pretty bad. So you really couldn't lift much. Nope. So let me set this to the stage. For a long time. For about, yeah, it took a year to heal. Historically, whenever I said, Sherry, when are we going to do something? What did that mean to you? It meant, when are you going to do what I want you to do? So we say things in the plural. And I still don't see what's wrong with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a collective goal that you're launching I'm for, helping you improve our situation. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> instead of saying, when are you going to um, iron a shirt? When are we going to get this shirt ironed is how it comes out. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's a little bit deceptive because it's like, instead of me telling you what to do, I'm saying in this plurality form. Correct. But it's, it's disguised. It's yeah. not authentic. And here's the challenge with that one. Until you pointed that out, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> it's super annoying, honestly. <laughs> well, and you waited 20 years to oh, tell me. Like, well, I'm, but then I noticed that it happens everywhere. I, I, I hear it a lot. I really appreciate you saying that. It doesn't it is make universal. It, it's it doesn't universal. make it any better, but we have become norm to it. And mm -hmm. frankly, when after you shared that with me and, and I went to my family, we were doing something, I traveled to visit them. I realized I learned it from them. And as I asked questions, I realized I learned it from Grandpa and Grandpa, who have always done that. Called and say, Irene, when are we? And that means Irene's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, from my perspective as a kid, that worked. <laughs> so, subconsciously, I adopted the behavior. That's yeah. my food, my family of origin dysfunction. Right. And I incorporated it into the family. All right. So you have let me know by this time that that's not comfortable among other things, but that was the one thing we right. were working on, right? 
So I remember I was working in the office. It was late. We were getting ready for bed. And we had a flood in our home. Mm -hmm. uh, was it the washing machine? No, it was the freezer. Oh, Ice right. maker had leaked while we were out Ruined of town and warped the hardwood floor. So yeah. here we had the homeowners insurance people coming in and fixing things. And anyways, a lot of things had to be boxed up and they were placed in our bedroom. And by count, we had 17 boxes in our bedroom of our pantry. Mm -hmm. That was just everything. But the boxes were all closed. You're very organized, as my children have reminded me. As a contrast to their father. And um, so I walked into the bedroom just to see how you were doing. And I was just finishing up a project I was working on. I was tired and I was going to prepare myself to go to bed. You were sitting on the bed, I think, looking at me now, checking, clearing it out for the day. And I noticed one of the boxes open. And to the best of my memory, so to make sure that you're in complete control right now, all right? <laughs> to the best of my memory, I said something to the effect. Um, Sherry, when is the pantry floor going to be ready so the boxes can be moved in there, meaning so I can move them in there? Now, whether I said so I can move them in there or whether I said so we can move them in there is a course of debate. So rather than going there, right. let's say I that remember, was your intent. I remember it one way, you remember it another, but I do know what my intent was and it was pure. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure you knew that I'm going to move the boxes. Evidently, didn't come off that way exactly as I wanted it. Do you remember your response? It was a reaction more than a, a response. All you said was a little? <laughs> I don't remember my words, but it was something like... It wasn't nice. Yeah, it was like, my right arm is disabled and there's no way I can there move those go. boxes yeah. and don't assume I'm going to because I'm hurting. Right. And that's what I remember something so to that effect. We're speaking to each other's pure intents at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm hurting, Al. I can't move my right arm and there's in, no way. In the moment, yeah. I went to trigger mode immediately and I caught it. I wanted to interrupt the trigger so I didn't go from trigger to flood. So you're feeling a little defensive based off what I yeah, said, which I was defensive. My, my whole reaction body was defensive. Was feeling, yeah. right? And so I remember walking back out of the room before I said anything. I said, you turned oh, on okay. your heels, walk, walked out. Oh, I, went, I didn't do it gruffly. I just said, no. oh my gosh, I just got beat up. There's an assault going on. Exactly. The, the, the Crusaders have just invaded the Holy Land, and I'm the one to occupying the Holy Land. Mm -hmm. So I went in my room. I remember thinking about this. I actually prayed about it. Okay, I've got to do a fast story story. Got to come back in and, and make sure that we have a dialogue. So cursed it thought about it. I walked back in the room. Because what would you have done back in the old days? Based off of that yeah, one response? To remind everybody well, of well, my maladaptive No, no, no. Just the response would have been... Oh, I would have just... Bed to the man cave for three gone. or four days. Gone. Which means... I would have shut talked up. to you. I would have been in collusion. Mm -hmm. um, that is very contentious because I would have stopped communication. And I would have been in the dark. What happened? Yeah, and I would have been punishing you because I'm freezing you out. Okay. You deserve punishment now because I'm not going to talk to you. I'm at a pity party and I'm a victim. I'm That's what you did in the past, but here you were making changes. I did the best I could, so I walked back in the room and I said, okay, Sherry, just a minute ago I walked in the room and what I'm going to do now is just the facts. I walked in the room, noticed the box was open. I know that you have an injured shoulder. So I pointed out that the box was open, that you were probably getting into stuff, and that I wanted to know if the floor was healed or fixed enough, healed. <laughs> Um, so I can move boxes back in there. That was my intent. How did you see it? So fact was just everything that had happened that you wouldn't even argue. 
practice facts. My interpretation was that you felt differently about it than I did. So I asked, how did you see that? As I told you, my intent was, there's my interpretation, mm -hmm. was that I would move the boxes for you. And I hadn't received it that way. And then I, we clarified right then, oh, okay. Well, what I remember was that you said that immediately. Mm -hmm. You're right, Rich, I thought about that. And that's exactly what it was. And I remember saying, babe, would you please give me permission to change? And I think I had been playing a videotape, whether what you said or not, I heard it in the old form. Yeah. And that's the challenge of when we're making changes in relationship, the other one is hearing it the old way. Yep. And in I'm my not fully focused moment, hurting shoulder moment, I wasn't in tune to, right. oh, he's coming in and asking in a supportive way and not in the old way of, Oh, when are we going to move these boxes? That was monumental to me because I realized yeah. that you were so compassionate that you would be able to, and we'll cover this in the next session, you used your reasonable scientist. You had made a prediction error. Mm -hmm. Then you got new data, and the new data gave you a new direction, and so you then accurately predicted um, based upon the new data. So you made a change in the direction where you were going, and you went from familiar space to safe space in that moment. Right. And it's so powerful that when we're trying to make changes in relationship that we give each other permission to talk about this is a change I'm trying to make right. that we're we're not going to receive it perfectly nor are we going to deliver it perfectly and that we need to be able to do retakes in time and the retakes critical because that's what that was was a retake you gave me permission to do a retake and, and then I gave you permission to do it. And, and power for healing from that point on, that we can look back at this, not feel those old feelings at all. Well, I'll never forget the tipping point and how it felt. But I think it was a tipping point. Well, I was still flooded because I had never been in that space before. And it took me the whole evening to process it. So I thanked you, told you I loved you, said my prayers and got in bed. But in morning time, all of the negative juices were gone. I felt like a new man. I had renewed love for you and such trust and respect that the space would be safe or that give me permission. <laughs> well, and we all come with it. And we all, I believe, all human beings want to do better. We, we want to connect. It's huge innate drive that we have. I, I want to share a story, yeah. um, a case study about Heidi and Larry that kind of speaks to this. And, you know, in the time we have left, we're, we'll kind of take it apart and, and make sure that it's understood again what this looks like. So let me set it up. Heidi and Larry have been married for more than 30 years. In those 30 years, they've struggled for almost all of it. Emotional intimacy was something they didn't have. And whenever they had any degree of peace in the home, or better said, when they weren't arguing, one of them would sabotage the ceasefire. So it'd be good for a short period of time and then... Could never last longer than maybe about... In an attempt to salvage the marriage, they both agreed that they'd work on the relationship. The challenge was, as in this case was, Heidi wouldn't let, allow Larry to have any success. Efforts were always sabotaged. So Larry made a decision that he would, was determined not to let Heidi's behavior escape. He deliberately practiced for an entire week for this upcoming Saturday. He called it the Saturday Surprise. Typically, when Larry gets flooded, he does like me, he goes to a man cave, but he'll play video games. I go into my office and study, so, or clean, which doesn't happen very often, so it's a disaster. 
So uh, after pre-planning it, he gets up on Saturday morning, hours before Heidi got so he can get an early start. Now, Heidi routinely made lists for Larry to complete. She would just right. have them there. Um, That's how you do lists. Right. And when he doesn't complete it, though, and this is the challenge, um, the way she wanted him to, according to her immaculate perception, she'd criticize him. Um, she'd not only criticize him, she'd criticize the behavior, and too often, she'd bring up yesterday. Things from the past. Yeah. And that was very harmful. I could just see it. So as he, he got out there early and he was working and he paused to take a break a couple hours after getting out there. And he sees that. out in the yard yeah, doing the honey He's doing the yard work, yeah. So he sees his bride in the kitchen and he's just dripping with sweat. So he walks, in, walks into the kitchen and he's grinning ear to ear. And he pants, what's next year? And so he had already cut down two trees. Oh my goodness. And he cut them into firework. He had a chainsaw. And he worked, just had this really so this was, sweat. Yeah, physical work. So he she glanced at the list. She could see out there that he what he had done. And she simply says, had he cut back the bushes underneath the kitchen window yet? Very brusque. Okay. Larry would typically yeah, be flooded. But he deliberately practiced. So what's Heidi doing right now? She's not... Taking in, you know, seeing him as an object is what she's doing. Why? And and what not, about well-being? Is there well-being in the space? No, there's not trust and respect. Is there safety in the space? Not entirely, because he's not being seen as a human. So Heidi's going back to familiar. This is new territory for and her. And the question is, is she really on board with changes being made? So he smiled at her, and he said, "Not yet." And right up the door. Gets to it. Gets to it. Mm -hmm. So remember, he had pre-practiced or pre-planned not to get triggered and flooded by her. So he headed back out. Then she felt an immediate wave of frustration come over her body. She felt torn with her husband's willingness to get some yard work done because it's his day off. Mm -hmm. And normally he would be, you know, playing video games or doing his own thing. And then what she would do is criticize him after he had worked so hard to try to do what she knows. And by the way, this is for love language, service. That came out in the conversation. And he knows that. He knows that. But this, it was new to him, too, yeah. that this is her love language. The twist was... So this day, today, this particular day, she didn't criticize him, right? No, she did. Okay. That's the thing. She's continued that. His awareness of her love language was new. And so he practiced it. He knew what it was. She knows it because she had told him for years, but he had never connected the dots. So another hour goes by. Again, dripping with sweat and flashing a broad smile, he walks back into the kitchen to ask for her to come out and inspect his work. And then he says, after we finish work today, can we go walk down by the, the water? An invitation for, okay, let's have some emotional, some emotional intimacy. And she had been telling him for decades of doing this, and she doesn't get it too often. And he asked for it, and she goes stoic on it. She shrugged off the suggestion, felt angry, and empty at the same time. She loves going on walks, but she's now turning a cold shoulder to his request after working on the honeydew list for about a half a day. And then a fleeting thought passed through her awareness, and she goes, so there's an awareness going on somewhere in the store. Yeah, it sounds like there's some 
dissonance within her about the changes. So he finishes the next project, you know, and he comes back in and asks for another inspection. And then he says, could we have dinner tonight? Just you and me before our daughter comes home. The daughter was been away at a friend's house. She's returned back from college. Um, and being alone in the house, because the daughter's there. When kids rare. in the house, yeah, rare moments. Um, and even having her husband want to do it was even more rare. Then she says, we probably won't have time for dinner together. And besides, she'll need to take a shower. You sleep like sawdust and sweat. That's your reward for hard work. Another mm -hmm. overture dead on arrival. Yeah. Heidi squashes his suggestion. But he said, look it, I'm not letting this happen. Remember, he pre-practiced. Sorry, he pre-planned. He deliberately practiced not getting triggered. And then she started noticing, ah, by this time, my husband's already taken off to the man cave. Because she's come at him three times. So it's kind of like she was expecting him to get triggered, flooded, go to the man cave. Right. And so she's already set herself up emotionally that's going to happen. Right. And expecting it. So the day's starting to come to an end. Working on the sunny do list the entire day. So he comes in and says, hey, would you give me one last inspection? And then he spend the rest of the evening. In her mind's eye, she's stubborn. This filter that she had started perceiving that this is going on. No matter what he did, no matter what he said, she just wouldn't let him into her space to have any kind of emotional intimacy. So he does the he went and showered and he asked one more time if she could spend the rest of the evening with him and she said no, she wouldn't do it. So here's what I wrote. Fighting the internal drive to flee into this man, he smiled again and accepted her answer. He recognized his role in her being and after 30 years of marriage, he was starting to be aware of how to make her happy. She wasn't accepting his attempts at good behavior. Well, what I also see is that you can't make someone else's happiness and the expectations that come from it. Right. But he knew that he could increase his happiness by not being flooded. Well, the point being is that his behavior was. So there was a moment of happiness for right. him. No matter what he said to himself, I won't let her push me into my realities. Notice that. She didn't control it. He yeah. had the choice the entire time, as we do all. Of and maybe that was the dissonance: is that she realized she had lost or was losing control of his emotions that she had before. Very good. So, just before they go to bed, he has this twinge of regret. Mm -hmm. you know, he had worked all day. So, what happened was towards the end of the evening, very. Larry turns around, says, good night, I'm going to bed. He's exhausted physically. And he's been fighting, emotionally, was even more fatiguing because he'd been fighting the urge to go back into the magic. Yeah. But he didn't that entire time. Now, she, on the other hand, sat in the living room, emotionally trained, accepting every effort has been made to bridge an ever-growing chasm that had grown between them over 30 years. And the evening gone. What happened was all she so Let's address a couple points as we wrap this. What drove the sabotaging behavior? I think I think Heidi was fearful of change. 
what would that new dance be for them? It was new territory for her. And was she pre-planning and practicing her own behavior? So what did she fear? So she can recognize her own fears. So what do you think, if you were in that position, what was the fear? New behaviors. Because she was so familiar with the old videotape yeah. that was playing in her mind. Um, lack of control. This is a codependent relationship. And, and so her satisfaction was based off of getting emotional responses from her husband. It's how it had played out for all those And that years. needs to be emphasized. When we collude with our partner, for example, in this case, when she gets mad at him or doesn't receive an overture, she needs him to be maladaptive so she can justify her maladaptive. And when she's doing that, she actually produces internal opiates, chemicals, that act like morphine or alcohol. You see, the brain can't tell the difference between an external drug like uh, alcohol or shooting up with meth or being mean and vicious to your husband or your A bully, pleasure centers light up like a Christmas tree when they're mean to people. Well, that's a drug. That's what's happening. And a codependent behavior is a strong addiction. Especially, bring up one of my flaws, Codependency, when you have to be right, I don't know more challenging Because one, your entire happiness is contingent upon someone else's behavior. So you're watching everyone else. So you can be either a victim or will play the role of a victim or play the role of a person. And then you have to be right on top of that, which means you shut down all listening. Okay, we're gonna, that's really all the time we have. I'd love to, to answer some more of these questions, but that's a really good way to approach where we're going with that. So Sherry, do me a favor and kind of recap that. What's, uh, what's our takeaways from today? Well, so we're realizing that there can be things that sabotage us in our progress. But what I noticed about Larry is that he continued to value the positive behavior and changes that he was making. Mm -hmm. So as you're making progress, whether it's someone else in your relationship or your inner self that is causing the sabotaging is going back to valuing what is the outcome that you're trying to produce. So we'd like to give you a challenge and that is this week, pay attention. What role are you playing as the lobster? Are you trying to get out of the box or are you pulling the other person back in the box? mindful of that. So that concludes our our chat today. So if you have any questions or concerns or comments, please email us at coach at himmercenter.com. And we look forward to chatting with you next week because we're going to cover the five scientists from the island of Burke and address them and how they play a role. So remember this, your takeaway today, all the resources you have for growth and for change come from within. You have them all. Things that happen to you are perfect, exactly what you need at this time to grow and come closer to integration. We look forward to talking to you again. Doubt is a broken record that plays inside my head. I try to turn it down. But I can't quite drown it out I'm tortured every day These never-ending worries Pulling on my
The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.